Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast presented by Bet365. We are part of the Action Network. I am Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network. I am joined, as I am, in every episode by my BFF, my companion, Micah Padre, professional better Simon Hunter. Hello, Simon. Hello, Chad. How you doing, my guy? Brother, we've been apart for a couple of weeks, and I'm glad to be looking at you again. Dude, this is our kickoff. From now on, we are a Tuesday-Thursday podcast, plus Sundays, when the season starts, talking only NFL. We got Sean Kerner and Nick Giffen, our predictive analyst geniuses today. We got Bill Barnwell on Thursday. We got division previews starting next Tuesday. We made it. We made it through the offseason. We are into the football. How you feeling? When do you come home? What's happening? <laughs> I'll, I'll be back. I think I'm supposed to come back end of August. So I have to do one more Vegas trip. I actually went to Austin while we had our little break. Went to yeah. a bunch of comedy shows. I'm a huge comedy guy. So I went and saw, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of a, a show called Kill Tony. So it's basically... It's a podcast. They do like a live show and it's amateurs come up and do one minute of stand up. And usually they're terrible, like they absolutely bomb. So it's probably one of the funnier shows I've ever seen. Kill Tony. If people have never checked it out Other than that chat. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm losing my mind. I already told you that I'm playing way too much poker. Uh, the World Series of Poker had the final table. I wanted to go to that for Vegas, but I, I couldn't make it. But I am playing way too much poker, Chad. So it's good that football's coming back because I am really, really getting all in where it's like, I'm excited to do football again, but I really love poker again. So I, it's nice to take a break because I'm I'm playing like when I'm going to Vegas, I'm doing two tournaments when I go there in a couple of weeks. And I think that's going to be it for me until, of course, next year, I'm trying to go to the World Series of Poker people. So we in the Action Network, we're going to figure that out. But I am full on addicted again to playing poker, Chad. Simon Hunter, the only person in the world whose punishment is exile in Hawaii so he can <laughs> travel the country, going to comedy shows and playing poker. Reminder, the Favorites podcast is proudly <laughs> presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game. Get $200 in bonus bets, must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, and Iowa in the United States. Gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Simon, like I said, we haven't seen each other for a while. I was on vacation. I went away. And um, I went to Seattle for 36 hours with my <laughs> wife, our two kids, uh, and my mom, who lives in the Bay Area, met us. And then we went to Bend, Oregon. My sister has a house in Bend, Oregon. Freaking beautiful there. It's like summer camp up there. Have you ever been there? No, I've I've never been, but I've heard about like all the national parks and how beautiful it is. The, the highest I've been is San Francisco. So definitely on my bucket list to go check out Oregon, Washington. Just that whole area looks amazing. Two highlights from our vacation, of which there were many. Number one. My older son, who, as everybody knows, is a uh, is at Drexel University. Uh, he showed up. We saw him. Uh, he met met us at Newark Airport from Philly, and uh, had a massive tattoo 
that was a surprise to everybody. He looked. Where's it located? Uh, it's it's on his the inside of his forearm, That's and not bad. and he's a you know it's a it's a the replica of a massive weapon that <laughs> is the weapon in his favorite like RPG game. You know he goes to Drexel and studies game design. They've got a really good game design program there. His dream is to create Dungeons and Dragons like role playing games. And so this is the weapon that is most important in one of his favorite like adventure RPG slash video games. So that was exciting. Uh, and then my 16 year old, uh, after the Mariners game in Seattle one night, um, the Uber pickup was about half a block away from the stadium. Great stadium, had a great night, uh, half a block away, happened to be right in front of a strip club. And so he <laughs> kept trying to get my mom to take a picture with him in front of the strip club of which she rarely is onto these things, but she was onto this and she tried to sneak away several times, uh, could not. So I've got this great picture of my 16 year old and my mom in front of dream on in Seattle. <laughs> There's some good memories right there, Chad. They are good memories. You know what else is a good memory? Last summer when I was with the NFL crew in LA, including Nick Giffen and Sean Kerner. And we talked about new ideas for the football season. The best idea we had of the two, we had two great ideas. One, bet what happens live with Dr. Nick, which was the best betting halftime show in the history of the universe and was hugely popular. We're bringing it back this year with Nick Giffen. The luck rankings, which turned, into be, turned out to be an incredible betting tool Sean and Nick are on the show today to discuss. Hello, Sean. Hello, Nick. What's up, guys? Nick was on <laughs> mute. It's still training camp, right? Yeah, we're still, still, still I. <laughs> we're still working it out. Fellas, we talked about the luck rankings so much last year on the podcast, and it really became invaluable. Tell us, remind everybody, and if there's any way I can get credit for this, fantastic. I'm about to give Nick the credit, but I'll I'll, I'll go over the origin story first. But the, the concept of luck rankings in general is something just I've been using for several years now, you know, and the, the idea is to look at various factors that have an impact on a team's overall record, um, but they're typically based on luck. Uh, so these are factors that typically are going to regress towards the league average over time. Um, and just by doing this, you can get an idea of what teams might be over or underrated at any given time, really. So, you know, some of these factors I would look at were one-score game records, strength of schedule, uh, injury luck, fumble luck, turnover differential, and other factors. I would mainly use it for season win totals and was, you know, they were very successful. But, you know, since NFL doesn't provide us a ton of data, you know, each team only plays 17 games. This is something that could be very useful in season as well. So, uh, you know, heading into last season, we tasked Nick to come up with something that was a way to sort of encompass it all and give us just luck rankings. He knocked it out of the freaking park. Um, so I'm I'm very excited for, you know, luck rankings heading into this season, but it turned out like one of the best handicapping tools I could think of. Well, Nick, explain yourself. What did you do without getting into too many details, <laughs> but explain a little bit of the science? Yeah, I think it's interesting because Sean said, you know, we don't get a lot of data from the NFL, but play-by-play -play data for 32 teams over 17 games each is a lot of data. 
and we can harness that data into luck rankings. You know, just a general concept. Let's say the Philadelphia Eagles have uh, fourth and goal from the one yard line and they're trying to punch the ball in the end zone. They're a pretty darn good team. And, you know, we'd expect them to punch it in a good chunk of the time. So if they don't, it's actually unlucky. It's not because they're bad. It's just because maybe it didn't work out that play. But if they had 100 opportunities or 10,000 opportunities, they punched in at a very high rate. And with all of that data, we can take all of that play by play and not just think of like the very common unlucky things we think of, like fumble luck, for example, who recovered the fumble. But each individual play has its own element of luck or you know good or bad luck. And so that's what I was you know kind of trying to do and uh you know it worked out pretty well but uh the whole idea behind it is something called an expected score and we'll talk about that i'm sure plenty so we're gonna and we're gonna get into like the luckiest teams too but simon i want to ask your opinion right now because i don't know about you i was thinking about the luck rankings when i was looking at season win totals just to see if like bookmakers were overestimating the market on things that we might have recognized as teams that had incredible luck in one score games and now might have a higher win total because they know the public is going to bet on this team because they did so well last year. Yeah, I would say I took a lot from luck rankings. The biggest thing I learned from it was they kind of are on par with me and you where we love to buy low. Like me and Chad, there's nothing more than we like them buying a team that just got blown out by 30 points. Guess who else loves that? The luck rankings. So it's one of those where most of the time, me and you, Chad, we're going to take teams that were super unlucky the previous week, right? And over the course of the season, too, we got – I kind of got lucky in the sense of with these luck rankings, I realized this Giants team just ain't normal. Like, there is no – my system can't get a read on them. The luck rankings was the same way, where it was like, this is the luckiest team in football. They're due for regression. That regression didn't come until they played the Eagles in the, the playoffs, right? They just were very lucky all season, and people kept trying to go against that, being like, you know, the Giants aren't as good as they are. Yes, the coaching was really incredible, but eventually they'll come back down to earth. They didn't. Same with the Vikings, right? Another team that's on this list that was very lucky last year. And, yes, a couple of my biggest bets, the Eagles in week two against them, Cowboys, I think it was in week nine against them. I really picked my spots well against the Vikings, but overall, the Vikings were incredibly lucky, right? They had so many one-score games. I mean, holy crap. I'll never forget that Bills game, right? That that game where it was fourth and one on the goal line. They don't get in, right? Kirk Cousins tries to QB sneak it. He gets stuffed. Josh Allen, next play on the one, he fumbles a snap into the end zone. The Bills lose that game to the Vikings. Like, that's really stupid, but that, to me, is why we love betting football. Like, that's how you can win so much money betting football, where – the public will perceive things in one way, but like these luck rankings will tell you, don't look at it that way. There's other ways to look at the game. So that's probably my fair way to take away from this luck rankings. It's not the end all be all, but when these guys come into us and they say there's a huge discrepancy, right? One team is the luckiest team in football and one team is the most unlucky football team in football and it's week 10 or 11. I mean, I think me and Chad 10 for 10 always took that really unlucky team, especially that late in the season. So to me, it's just another way of me measuring football that, Teams will just regress to the meme, but there's always a couple of unicorns, which we're about to talk about. I'm guessing it was the Eagles. I'm guessing it was the Vikings, and we just talked about the Giants. Those were very, very lucky teams last year. So to me, I just love it. It's another metric to me measure football in just a different way of thinking. So again, both these guys know they're both brilliant, and it's just a really cool idea that 
these are the early days, right? It's just going to keep getting better the more they put time into it, keep building it. So I'm excited to see where it goes these next couple of years. Well, what's interesting is it's not just about the unlucky teams. It is about the lucky teams and understanding, you know, Simon, you and I and Sean and Nick too, we love to bet on the team that just had a huge unlucky variance in the week before and might be the better team. And then going into the following week, they're a little bit shorter favorites than they might've otherwise been. And we think there's value goes the other way too. Like teams that were lucky all season long and keep getting overvalued by the bookmakers gives us an opportunity for fading. So Nick, you know, you're shaking your head. Take me through some specifics from last season on teams that were overvalued consistently because of what you saw in the luck rankings. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think Sean was actually going to go over the overvalued teams and I was going to do the undervalued teams, but, uh, <laughs> you do it, whatever. Yeah. Listen, listen, <laughs> Chad doesn't read the outline. So I don't, <laughs> I, I'm fucking talent, man. Okay. <laughs> I'm just getting back from vacation. I'm barely here right now. You, you guys pretend I'm not even here. Answer, reject <laughs> the premise of every question. Just answer it the way you want to answer it. Sean, go ahead. Uh all right, I'll go first. And just to clarify, when I said we don't have as much data, I was kind of referring to other sports like baseball, where every team plays every day for friggin' 162 games. So when it comes to NFL, we just don't have as many games to go off. And the general public is going to see a team's record and kind of base their opinion based on that. So the luckiest team from last year was, of course, the Minnesota Vikings, who went Minnesota Vikings 13 and four last year. Uh, they went an unprecedented 11 and 0 in one score games and just one score games in general, you know, you typically expect teams to win those half the time, you know, certainly there's teams that are, you know, more talented, better coached where, you know, you can maybe expect them to win those a little bit more often, but in general, most teams are going to win those games half the time. So you could say they had about five and a half wins over expected in one score games. Um, so their record is going to be very misleading. Uh, they also had the third best fumble luck, uh, fifth best injury luck, but I think a lot of people do realize that they were a lucky team. So I don't think they're a team that people are flocking to necessarily. But either way, you know, it took a lot of luck for them to go 13 and four. It's going to be very hard for them to repeat uh, this season. Um, and some of the other teams, Simon actually mentioned, you know, the Eagles were the second luckiest team. They were 14 and three, obviously a very, very good team, but they were seven and one in one score games, third best in injury luck. Um, and they went to the Super Bowl. So I think they are a team that the public might be overrating. I mean, I probably will, too. I, I think they're one of the best teams in the league, but it's unlikely they will benefit from a lot of the same factors this year. So they, they could take a step back, still be a double digit win team, but maybe not as good as we think. And then, of course, the Giants, you know, they went nine and seven and one last year, uh, eight, four and one and one score games. Um, and, you know, the, the craziest stat for the Giants, I think, was they spent the fifth most time trailing uh in time of possession so it's kind of a miracle they ended up with their winning record and made the playoffs you know some of that you can contribute to having competent head coaching and brian dable but overall you know they were a team that went very lucky and we should expect to regress back uh, towards league average in those metrics this year so uh, it's gonna be very hard for them to repeat you know that winning record last so year what do you do though i think i the nfc is fascinating to me and the NFC East, particularly fascinating because we all know the stat. Every year there's a different winner for the NFC East. 
And the Eagles were so dominant last year, as lucky as they were, but also they have arguably the best roster in the NFC, the best quarterback in the NFC, the best D-line in the NFC, the best management in the NFC. And yet, are we supposed to start fading the Giants? Are we fading the Eagles? Are we fading the Giants? Do we have any faith in Washington? Does this mean that we now got to put our eggs in the Cowboys basket? If you're projecting a little bit, how do you incorporate luck rankings into projecting what will happen? Well, Nick, I'll go so here's here's an interesting little stat. The whole NFC East ended up in the top nine in our luck rankings. So which one's going to regress? They all could, right? Or, But then at the same time, if they're all regressing, they're all still relatively to each other the same. So, you know, we still should expect the Eagles to be very, very strong. The Cowboys to be very, very strong in that division. Um, but the Giants, they actually did end up regressing during the year. I know Simon said it never came, but it actually came during the year. They started out six and one and their final record was nine, seven and one. So they went three, six and one over the closing 10 games. And guess what? Their only wins were against the Washington commanders who were bad the Houston Texans, who were dreadfully bad last in the league uh, in terms of uh, what our actual strength was from our luck rankings, and the Indianapolis Colts, who were also very, very bad, one of the bottom teams in, in our strength from the luck rankings. So uh, the Giants did not end the season well. Uh, so I just thought that was an interesting point. And one other thing, you know, Sean mentioned the three luckiest teams. They all had very winning records. You might say, well, the luck rankings, that's just saying these winning teams are lucky. You know, it's kind of uses wrong. If we look just one year ago, uh, prior to 2022, so 2021, the Buffalo Bills in 2021 finished the year 11 and 6. They were the last team in luck, dead last in luck, despite being an 11-win team. They played more like a 14-win team that year, according to our expected score metric, but they only won 11 games. Look what happened in the playoffs. They won big in the wild card round versus the New England Patriots, who, funny enough, were also 10-7, and 7, I think it was, in 30th in our luck rankings. And then they lost to Kansas City on the road in overtime, which was the third strongest team in the NFL based off of our expected score. So, uh, you know, those Bills were unlucky and they in the playoffs, they played like a team that had been unlucky all year. They made some really close games. So, uh, you know, this year it so happened to be a lot of the high winning teams were the luckiest. But that's not always the case. There was a year where the Miami Dolphins were the luckiest team in the NFL, and they only had seven wins. So just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I know Sean mentioned three very winning teams. It's not going to be that way every year. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what 2023 has in store for, for the luckiest teams. Yeah, it definitely stands out from last year. I mean, just the Vikings, 11-0 and in one-score games. You can be the laziest better in the world, and it's just like, how do you not fade that stat? You don't even need People all the People still won't. They still won't. I know. Right. And it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, now you're in a division where, again, it's all hype, it's all BS, but you're, you're expecting Jordan Love to take another step this year, right? He's going to be the starter for the Green Bay. We know how good their defense is. You know how great of an offensive line they have. And then we already talking now about the Bears, right? That's that's the next upcoming team. And then you have the Lions, who are the overwhelming favorites. So regression on the Vikings, if you're just looking for a very boring, simple way to fade a team, 
if a team is 11 and 0 in one score games, I don't even care if it was the Eagles, right? They don't care if they had the greatest roster ever the next year. You have to fade that team. It just football does not break that way, especially for I think the previous year, the Raiders, right? They were that team that was that way. I think they were seven and two or seven and three on one score games. They totally missed the playoffs last year. It's just because it's always about regression to the mean. So to me, that's really interesting that Sean brought that up that they were 11 0 in one score games and the luck rankings reflected that. Now let's go to the unluckiest teams, right? That's what people want to know about teams last year that were super unlucky. Um, Nick, if you want to write off the, the three guys or two teams that really stood out to you. Yeah, so the unluckiest team actually was the New Orleans Saints. They finished 7-10, and 10, so it's not like it was a two-win team or a three-win team or a four-win team that was the unluckiest. It was the 7-10 and 10 Saints. They outgained their opponents by more than 320 yards over the course of the season, which is about 20 yards per game, just under 20 yards per game. But the issue was them finishing drives and their opponents finishing drives. So the Saints had 25 turnovers. Their opponents only had 17 and 11 to 7 in the fumbles lost category. So the Saints lost more fumbles than their opponents. That's a bit unlucky. The other factor was kicking. Will Lutz had a terrible year. He went 23 for 31. That's under 75%. Whereas the Saints opponents field goal kicking over 90%. Uh, So just in terms of putting points on the board, when you fumble the ball uh, and it goes the other team and when your opponents make field goals and you don't, that's a big swing throughout the course of the year. That could be a couple games right there. So, uh, you know, we actually had them slightly above a 50-50 team in terms of win-loss record. So they probably were like an eight-and-a-half win team, uh, maybe closer to a nine-win team, but they only won seven games. So that was the number one unlucky team. Number two unluckiest was the Hold Houston on, Nick, Texans. No, time, out, time out for one second. Yes, sir. I, w- I want you to get the other two teams, but everything you're saying scares me because the Saints are one of those teams that I want to avoid like the plague. <laughs> I I hate their coach. I hate their quarterback. I don't like their <laughs> offensive side of the roster. I think their defense can be very good. But every week, I now think I'm going to have to bet the Saints. They got Jimmy Graham back too, Chad. Jimmy Graham's yeah. back. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, making me, it's already making me sick to my stomach. I'm more sick to my stomach betting the Saints than the team you were going to talk about next. It's interesting. Yeah, well, that team is the Houston Texans. Uh, they just, you know, they were abysmal, but... They were a bit unlucky. I mean, they lost in overtime to the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs. They took to overtime in the regular season in not a meaningless game, you know, not week 18. Uh, they were three, six and one in one score games. So, uh, you know, they, they they were bad, but they probably weren't as bad as their record indicates. So, you know, maybe a little bit of positive regression here. But the team I'm really looking at is the third unluckiest team. That's the Chicago Bears. The Bears went one and seven in one possession games. If you think about, uh, was it the Eagles went seven and one in one possession games? The Bears were the exact opposite of that, going one and seven. So uh, it, it's one of those things where, you know, they had a lot of bad luck, a lot of close games that just didn't break their way. And Obviously, in the offseason, they've got a lot of good things going for them as well. Made some good moves in the offseason. And, uh, you know, Justin Fields should continue to develop. So I think there's a lot of promise in this Bears team to have a very strong year. So, uh, Simon and Matt Mitchell, you guys can appreciate this. Uh, As we were on vacation, uh, between getting tattoos and going to strip clubs, uh, (laughs) my younger kid read a tweet or something to me about how good Justin Fields was looking according to some report. 
And it was the first time since the end of the season. And I've been giddy where I was like, oh, fuck, the Bears are going to the Super Bowl. And now it's confirmed. Well, shocked you didn't come in right away and say, did you know that Fields was the 84th ranked player at the top 100 in the NFL? I can't believe his peers already think he's a top 100 player. Someone, but... oh, you know what it was? It was uh, it was Nick Bosa. This is what it was. It was Nick Bosa yes, said that yes. Justin Fields may be the best athlete, a quarterback he's ever seen. Yeah, well, my favorite thing was he he said he's a top five quarterback in NFL history at running the football. Yes. Off of his, he left Jalen Hurts off his list, who had three rushing touchdowns in a Super Bowl. I don't know if he knows that's a record that'll probably never be broken. Uh, so very on brand for Fields, but yeah, just um, I can't get any more hype, Chad. I can't bet any more money on the Bears. I'm done betting more money on the Bears. But we are, like people know, we're all in on Bears, hundred to one, eighty to one. They are just the you hype. The hype them. is just next level right now for this Bears team. All right, Sean. Uh... Based the, the first season of the luck rankings were revelatory. Yes. Yeah. So based on based on the first season, what were the biggest takeaways? Uh, what lessons did we all learn? I mean, the main takeaway should just be that the concept of handicapping games based on previous luck is very predictive uh, in terms of beating the market. Uh, and j- it just makes a ton of sense because we're all, you know, um, trying to filter out factors that can lead to more or less wins that aren't skill based or stable. Um, so, so we're able to find those teams that are truly uh, undervalued or truly overvalued. Um, and, you know, over the course of the season, the the lock rankings went uh, 39 and 26 against the spread. So 60% whenever we were showing a luck gap of 16 or greater. Um, so games where there was a huge margin in luck uh, rankings. Um, and based on a lot of the back testing that Nick has done this off season, it seems like just blindly follow them will give you roughly a baseline of 55% win rate. But the more you kind of stretch it out and look for um, matchups with bigger discrepancies in luck or using other factors, you can really ramp up your winning percentage. So I think just the main takeaway is just using these as a core foundation. Part of your handicapping makes a ton of sense. This to me feels like one of those Holy grail stats that should be as big over the course of time as QBR or DVOA or anything else like that. Like people should be talking about these when making any decision about the quality of handicapping a game because of what you just said. Let me repeat these two things. Sean said that 55% against the spread is the floor when you use this as a big part of handicapping and including other factors to improve win rate. But 39 and 26 at a level of 16 when the delta between the two teams was at least 16. That's massive. Like it's to me, it's almost like I'm just using the luck rankings. Here's my question. At what point do we feel most comfortable that we have enough information for the luck rankings to be legitimate? Well, you know, I've back tested it over several years and we're at a multi hundred game sample size of 16 or more luck ranking difference. And it overall over that, that, that I think it's five year sample, it's hitting at a 57 and a half percent rate for 16 plus. Uh, so that is a, a nice large sample size, I would say. 
And Sean mentioned that 55% floor. Well, if we go to a gap, let's say, you know, there's 32 teams in the NFL. So 16 is half. Well, if we go half of that eight and then half of that four, if we just take the four largest look differentials, so 31, 30, 29, and 28, that hits it over 70% over a, the past five year span. Uh, so, you know, like Sean said, 55% is the floor, but we can find splits. We can also find luck gaps of smaller, eight to, to, to 15, let's say, where especially early in the season, if one team was really unlucky and the other team was really lucky and they face each other, even if their gap is much smaller in terms of raw ranking difference, the luck percentage difference is high enough. That also hits at a 60 plus percent rate. So we don't just have to look at 16 plus. So we've got tons of data uh, that shows that this is a real thing. And the best part is the books don't know what our metric is, so they can't you know, engineer it for us. So it's just a thing that we're going to have an edge. The biggest edges will come early in the season. Very much pay attention to week, weeks two, three, and four, because then everybody gets more data and and, and yep. the luck tends to balance out and the, everything kind of tends to regress toward the mean. So it becomes harder, but we still find gaps throughout the year. So make sure you're paying attention all year, but especially jump on them early in the season. Things are changing very quick, especially I talked to a lot of, a lot of guys betting, a lot of bookmakers as well, that the new AI wave of these guys trying to counteract our models, it's a real thing. Like they're trying to get the smartest people to get in there and try to go against our models, try to figure out patterns, right? That's what they're looking for. That's how they ban people, right? They're looking for patterns, patterns and betting. To me, this is something great tool because it's going to be hard for them to build an AI to counter this, right? Because the main point of this is buying low and selling high in a lot of these teams. Last question about luck rankings. And then I want to play a game that we used to play with you guys all the time yes. before this past NFL season. How will luck rankings improve uh, heading into luck 2.0 and how can everyone find these and take advantage of these? So I think the biggest thing for me is if you look at luck 1.0, we were showing all the, the high winning teams up the top of the board, even the San Francisco 49ers were showing in the top 10, I think in luck. But so what I realized is there was a little bit of an underfit on, on, uh, you know, uh, an exponent I was using in a formula. So we corrected that, but also I improved the expected score metric itself. So um, just another component of skill that's being taken into account that isn't luck, that'll help us tighten that fit around the actual score versus the expected score. You know, so what the score should have been in a game if luck wasn't involved versus what the score actually was. So I've made that, what should the score have been uh, a much more accurate version. It, it basically is uh, incorporating team skill a little bit more than it used to be because I think we were underrating skill just a little bit. And even then we were still hitting at a 55 plus percent rate. So um, I think it's just going to be an even better fit now. All right, listen, luck rankings are the best. Go to actionnetwork.com, find the luck rankings. We'll kick them off week one. Are we going to have them week one? Um, I mean, they would just be from last year. Still, um, are we going to have yeah. them up? Yeah, okay. absolutely. All right, we'll have them up before week one, last <laughs> seasons. We'll have the new ones up after week one. Yes. Uh, honest to God, they're as good a tool as you're going to find. We're going to talk about them all season long in the favorites. Um, you guys have heard us talk about game time. All off season, all regular season, we talk about it constantly. The fastest growing ticketing app in the United States. I love game time. Honestly, I use it all the time. No joke. You heard me talk about being in Seattle. You heard me talking about going to the Mariners game. Where do you think I got the tickets? I went to the Game Time app. I bought tickets behind a home plate around 20 rows up for me, my mom, my kid, 
40 bucks a piece. My mom and my kid thought I was the biggest baller in the world because I got such good seats. If you're looking to get out to a pro or college game this week or even a concert, Game Time has amazing last minute deals on tickets to all of these. Just for fun, I'm going to open the Game Time app right now from my office here in New York City. I can see the New York Liberty first place in the Eastern Conference in the WNBA, 16 bucks, get in price. No matter where you live, download the Game Time app, get out, have some fun this week. You deserve it. And you can redeem code favorites for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, just download the app and enter code favorites for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. No joke, people. I use it all the time. All right, Nick and Sean. Before last football season, we used to have you guys come on and use your incredible predictive analytics skills to answer reader questions about what are the odds that certain things would happen, random coincidences that you guys could take the magic out of and boil down into something completely scientific. So 123 years ago this week, July of 1900, King Umberto I of Italy was dining at a restaurant. When the restaurant's owner greeted him, both men were in for a shock. They looked exactly alike. The coincidences didn't stop there. The restaurant owner's name was also Umberto. He had also been born in the same Italian town on the same day. Both Umbertos married on the same day to women named Margarita. Both had sons named Vittorio. And Umberto's restaurant opened on the day of King Umberto's coronation. The king was scheduled to appear at an event the next day and was struck by this remarkable encounter. So he invited the lookalike to the show. Unbelievably, the lookalike Umberto was shot to death the next morning. Incredibly, shortly after hearing the news of his lookalike's death, King Umberto was assassinated by an Italian anarchist. Theories abound about the two men. Were they long lost twins? What are the odds, Nick Giffen and Sean Kerner? If we're trying to figure out if they're long lost twins, the most important piece of that puzzle is they were born in the same Italian town on the same day. And all the other wacky shit seems pretty relevant and just largely it's a coincidence. Like it doesn't matter. Um, So based on their hometown of Turin, um, I was able to estimate the population was probably around 130,000 when they were born. Uh, Nick factored in, you know, the the average birth rate, uh, the chances of having identical twins and came up with a baseline of about 6% chance uh, that they were twins based on those odds. Uh, But I felt like this is something where there was a ton of underlying chop, given that they actually looked alike. And for those that don't remember, we refer to underlying chop based on our what are the odds pod about running into Ric Flair at a restaurant called the Chop House. It was presented as, as some wacky coincidence, but we said, actually, Ric Flair is more likely to end up at a restaurant named after one of his patented wrestling moves. So it actually increased the odds overall. So I think in this case, the fact that they looked alike was a ton of underlying chop, which I think only increased the odds that they were twins. But Nick had to introduce some conspiracies into the equation. So I'll let him uh, go over those. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you know, there could be some negative chop here as well. Like this story could just be made up, right? (laughs) <laughs> uh, like, is this, is this story even real? Uh, also it, it, these guys are, you know, 
older now. I think it's 1900 and they were born in 1844. And you would think you would know if you look exactly like your king. Why didn't this come up sooner? You should know what your king looks like. How are, we, how are you all of a sudden taken aback by looking exactly like the king? You've never seen a picture of him before? You've never seen seen him, I guess? I don't know. Um, it, it just seems shocking to me that you wouldn't know what your king looks like. And all of a sudden you'd be shocked 56 years later in your life to realize you look like him. Uh, you know, I guess one other thing for me is uh, Umberto and um, maybe Umberto's father, he had eight kids with his wife and then several other kids with some mistresses. They were all documented, written about. Why was this potential Umberto kid, you know, the, the restaurant owner, not documented? And there could be good reasons. There are, honestly, there could be valid reasons. But I, I found some of these as like negative chop reasons, like reasons to not believe the story a bit. So, you know, Sean said we got about a baseline of 6%. Um, and and let's just be clear. There is, if I knew nothing about you, Chad, there would be a one in 250 chance you would have an identical twin. Now, we know that's not the case because, you know. I don't know. Have you ever seen Matt Watson from Carwell? Look it up, Chad. Carwell, Matt Watson, you look just like this guy. But because the world have, can only you know, handle one of me. That's true. That's very true. But because we have, like, documentation and stuff, we know if people do or don't. But if there was – if every kid was just separated at birth from their mother and, and we had no way of knowing, there would be a 1 in 250 chance. So that's, like, the floor. Whether this story is true or not and we don't know or not, that's the absolute floor is a 1 in 250 chance. Uh, we came up to about, like I said, 6%, uh, as Sean mentioned. I said, if there are twins in Turin, there is a 6% chance of that happening. I said, if there are twins in Turin, there's a very high likelihood those two are twins. So we'll keep that close to 6%. But I said there's about a 25% chance the story is just made up in bunk. Yeah, so we, so we arrived at 6%, which is right around 15 to one odds, which happens to be the same odds of the Dallas Cowboys winning the Super Bowl. So if Dallas does end up winning it this year, I'm taking it as a, a sign that the Umbertos are telling us that they were actually long lost wins. Well, listen, I can't thank you guys enough for coming on, uh, ruining the magic of uh, <laughs> the, the Umberto, the Umberto brothers. Uh, once again, finding a way to have science uh, just uh, shine a light on some of our greatest coincidental stories. Also, I'm thrilled you guys came on to talk about the luck rankings, highlighted teams that we should be paying attention to. I don't want to pay attention to the Saints. I'm comfortable with the Texans. I'm over the moon about the Bears. I'm fading everybody in the NFC East. I can't wait. Nick Giffen, Sean Kerner, predictive analytics experts here for action. You can catch them all season long. Reminder, we are... A football pod from here until the end of the Super Bowl, Tuesdays and Thursdays, every week, Sundays, once the season starts. Uh, we got Bill Barnwell next th on Thursday. We got division breakdowns starting on Tuesday. The Favorites podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, and Iowa. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. For Simon Hunter, I am Chad Millman. This has been the Favorites Podcast presented by Bet365, part of the Action Network. 
Download from Apple, from Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. Leave us five stars. Say whatever you want. Feedback is a gift. Until next time, love you. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.